everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Canyon. Canyon have been kind enough to lend me a Spectral CF29 LTD, which I've been riding over the last couple of weeks, both near home and up here in Scotland on the trails for the Enduro World Series. I've been really enjoying my time with the bike, and if you're looking for one bike to do everything, then the Spectral should certainly be on your list. The first thing I noticed when the bike arrived is just how well thought out the design is. There are lots of neat little touches that be easy to miss, but will make owning this bike an absolute pleasure. All the fasteners are really easy to access, making working on the bike a dream. The combination of lightweight and a well-designed suspension platform means it climbs efficiently, but it provides plenty of grip when things get lumpy, making technical climbing fun. Throw it downhill though, and the grin on your face is guaranteed to grow. This bike really likes going fast. It seems to strike a good balance between the stability that a longer reach provides while still remaining poppy and playful and providing good mid-stroke support to help you push and pump and gain speed. I found it a really intuitive bike to learn to ride too. If you want to find out more, then you can head over to canyon.com. Downtime EP issue one is now available. This is an exciting new print collaboration between me and the team from Miss Spence Summers, who are responsible for Hurley Burley, The World Stage, Tea and Biscuits, and many more incredible multimedia projects. Downtime EP takes inspiration from the guests and topics from the podcast, expands on them and takes them into a stunning print-only format. EP is the perfect companion for some quiet time away from the distractions of modern life. Beautiful to have and hold and a timeless piece of mountain bike history. What's even better is that there's going to be two issues a year and you can subscribe now. Just head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and you'll be able to save yourself £5 off the cover price with an annual subscription for just £20 plus postage. If you want issue one, then you've got until the 17th of October to subscribe and we'll be sending out your first issue in the following week. Head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and get involved. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. All right, this week I'm joined by Ben Hildred. Ben is a rider whose passion for the sport has led him to take on some crazy challenges, like Everest in the Queenstown Bike Park, riding the height of the largest volcano in our solar system in just three days, and climbing and descending 1 million feet in 200 days, all whilst holding down a day job. We sat down to find out more about Ben, where these crazy challenges come from, what they're like to take on, and how he goes about it. We chat about his bike and kit choices, nutrition and sleep, motivation and mindset, and plenty more. So, without further ado, here's Ben Hildred. Ben Hildred, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? How's it going? Uh, good, thank you, Chris. All good. Nice one. You're in uh, maybe not so sunny Queenstown at this point in the year, I guess. You're sort of on the edge of winter, coming in out of spring, are you? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've just had like three weeks of lockdown, um, which was glorious. And I got everyone excited for spring, and now it's just gone really miserable again. <laughs> um, oh no! Which, um, but uh, in in the and uh, at the minute, Skyline and the Queenstown Mountain Bike Park are doing like a whole park refresh, which is all quite exciting. But it's just been downpouring for yeah the past week or so. It's been miserable, but uh, spring's around the corner, so all exciting. Good to hear. And what's the score with lockdown? Is it finished now, or has it changed levels? Like, where are you at? 
Yeah, uh, we're on we're at level two. I mean, it's funny because all the podcasts at the minute, this is kind of like the first. Everyone has to decipher what what COVID means to each other, <laughs> which is quite interesting. <laughs> but um, but yeah, right now we're we're in level two here, and um, we've got like four levels in New Zealand, which I think is kind of similar to to other places. Uh, four being the worst. So um, yeah, it it seems under control. So just masks and no big okay. groups, but that's all right, isn't it? It's not too yeah, bad. yeah, exactly. We can handle that for sure. It's better. It's better yeah. than where all of us have been at some point in the last couple of years. So, not going to oh, yeah, grumble totally. too much. Well, let's yeah. um, bef- before we get into some of your more recent escapades, let's wind the clock back and find out a little bit about some of the earlier days and kind of how you ended up where you are now. Um, I guess start with just telling us a bit about how bikes and mountain biking came into your life. Yeah, gosh. Um, oh, if you want to wind it right back i guess um like uh, my, my earliest memory was was fixing bikes actually um i uh yeah we, we grew up in a in a rural um semi-detached house in lincolnshire flattest county in the uk by the way um and uh our next door neighbors were, were a retired couple and um bill to keep himself occupied would go to car boots and buy like old rusty like rust buckets of bikes and spend his spare time fixing them and selling them on our shared front uh front lawn and um uh i remember my mum would just send me around to his house to keep me busy and he made a little uh workbench for me and i'd basically just get in the way <laughs> <laughs> in return i got to ride all the bikes and and that's like yeah really fond memories but that's probably too far back actually no one needs to know about that um he one of my vivid memories of him um was he he'd lost his one of his ring fingers at his first knuckle and he uh-huh. always told me that's because he picked his nose too much and i was petrified <laughs> of picking my nose for quite a while. <laughs> but, um, but yeah i do remember i used to fall out of him a lot as a as a grumpy like toddler because he wouldn't let me do stuff to the bikes that i wanted to and i'd all, the day would always finish with me storming back home and then uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah um but since then yeah biking like like everyone biking's just grown up is uh, is your first um taste of real freedom i think um but yeah it's yeah bloody good i've uh, been worked in bike shops since i was 14 and always been in the bike industry you know my my whole working life so so yeah, yeah. And, w- and was it always working in bike shops kind of in the in the mechanic side of things or were you like shop floor as well Oh man, everything like, um, yeah, I'd, I'd always worked in a workshop, but then washing bikes as a Saturday job and, um, trying to sell bikes as well. Um, just anything bikes. Like I was just, just obsessed from, yeah, from my early teens. It was, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. Was it always inevitable then that you were going to find your way into kind of bikes as a, as a career? Were there other interests alongside that kind of competing with it or was it just bikes 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 um it was it was just bike bikes 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 um it was um yeah I, i've never really had uh, a career path as it were i everything was always just been on a whim and uh the volume i could ride my bike dictated what i'd do essentially and it still does like you know if i can't ride my bike then what's the point which is probably a really bad way to to choose career paths but hey hey mm, i'm not sure about that i think it might be quite good <laughs> what what um 
yeah when did the sort of travel side of things come in because like you say where you grew up is uh not renowned for its quality uh yeah gravity fed mountain biking when did you start to (laughs) move around a little bit either within the uk and then then abroad and and get to travel with the bike um so uh again in my in my teens um we we traveled a lot to to wales and other places um basically in in lincoln uh, Lincolnshire we've got the wolds and there's about I think our biggest hill is about 50 meters of elevation 50 to 100 meters like nothing nothing but um myself alongside uh, a good friend of mine like Ian Fisher we we um he, he was he was a, a lot older than me and we we built we we um got funding for uh, a bike park on that one hill in Lincoln um and we built like those wall rides and stuff and some trails and we through that club that we we established we um, would go for like uplift days in Wales and and Scotland and things. So that was like the first the first um, reachings into like proper mountain biking. I remember taking my DMR rhythm to a to an uplift day in Wales and not, you know, I had no idea what to expect and it kind of uh, <laughs> it scared me senseless. <laughs> Holy moly! And I was like, oh yeah, like you know, growing up on like just obsessing and wearing out your Earth DVDs and like sprung and and never really seeing proper mountain biking or downhill trails and then going to you know like care susan in wales which is always like our venue to go to uh in mid wales and it's incredible i don't know if you've been there i haven't um, actually ever ridden at care Sus. oh man it's uh it, it, yeah it's it's amazing um and uh, there's a yeah so just going there and, and riding proper trails just blew me away and it was like wow this is this is it you know <laughs> was it about was it about riding or was it about racing was the racing kind of ever feature um not particularly i I did a did a few because they kind of um they came with uh the uplift weekends you know um it was always just about riding um and we'd often uh book out the hill privately and have like a group of like you know two dozen friends and just just ride together for for a weekend you know um no, never, never really. I haven't never really been like that competitive person. I've never really had a competitive edge or, you know, yeah. um, I'd only ever compete against myself, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So, and then when did you start taking the bike abroad? Um, so in 2015, um, yeah, towards the, my mid to late 20s, um, I was working in the UK still with my own um, uh, BMX business, and I, uh, after watching you know videos and DVDs of, of Whistler, uh, dropping TV and the Ride Guide Mountain Bike Show and Extreme Sports and yeah. you know all all those, um, I said, man, I need to go and see this stuff. I um, I zoomed in on Google Maps one evening um, to Whistler, and I created a resume. Um, and I just like, if you put in, I figured out if you put in bike shop and then have Whistler open, it all the, all the, the, the markers will pop up. And yeah. I just sent my resume to every single one. And I was like, oh, we'll see what happens. And then uh, a few months later, I was flying to Vancouver <laughs> to meet a stranger <laughs> at the airport. Um, yeah. And I, I, I secured a job uh, after a few um, video interviews with a, with a guiding company there. And, um, yeah, that was that was quite a that was awesome. That was 
a hell of an opportunity. Without that, I don't. Th- I think I'd probably still be in Lincolnshire. You know, um, that was that was incredible. Um, yeah. So and- you you were guiding to visiting riders. Is that is that the the role that you were doing out there? Yeah, yeah. I worked for um, uh, Bareback Biking and uh, Mark and Johnny, um, the guys there, um, kind of, they, they took a bit of a, a, a punt on me and, you know, just, um, I, I didn't really have much experience, but um, or any experience, but they, they agreed to put me through the coaching and guiding um, the PMBI courses as soon as I got there, which is incredible. Nice. And um, I guess I made, it must have had made, somewhat of an impact on the video call <laughs> um <laughs> but it was yeah mind-blowing i remember waking up there the first morning um in whistler and i was just like holy holy shit like this is this is it <laughs> what am i doing here felt like a real pretender and i was like oh my days like yeah it was i don't know it it, it yeah going from lincolnshire to to whistler in a heartbeat um and your job is to ride bikes. Like I was on cloud nine. I still am on cloud nine, but like, it's like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and I yeah, put everything into that job. It's so good. So much fun. Yeah. Did you feel like you were a decent rider at that point? Like, did you, were you uh, competent on the sort of trails that they have somewhere like Worcester? Cause obviously like you say, Lincoln doesn't really provide the training grounds. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh man. No, like Rissler was even more of an eye opener still. Like, uh, yeah, riding the bike park for the first time there, riding rock rolls for the first time, and and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was um, I was out of my comfort zone, but I had to I had to level up pretty fast, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, what a place I and mean, what a job. It's it was something else. Yeah, it's cool to be yeah. able to learn the the coaching side of things as well. You must have learned a lot about kind of your own riding i guess through doing that oh totally yeah um it's funny with coaching you you learn to strip back your riding and uh, and kind of and then you essentially rebuild it again through um through the steps of, of how you would teach it and um yeah you can certainly pick up and uh, develop your own riding as well as everyone else's and yeah that was that was really good that was the first time i've always worked um with with people like in bike shops and and stuff you know um and i really enjoyed that but that's the first time being able to um kind of share my enthusiasm for riding in like a in a first um first hand basis you know um just yeah people would come to our chalet and just like buzzing off them i'm going riding bikes with them all week and that was my job just to like you know go and show them all the best places to ride bikes and like showing them around the bike park and everyone was just you know the thrill I've just been in Whistler. It was just, uh, it was electric. It's so, That's so good. incredible. Yeah. And every yeah. week, I guess you're getting a new batch of people with fresh excitement that have probably never been there. And yeah, you get to feed off that week in, week out. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I think the th- I was there for three years, the third year, I think I went for, for a stint of three and a half months without a day off because I just wanted to have a bike every day. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's, if there are people in the chalet in the morning, I'd be like, well, just come with me and, you know, you can, you might as well, uh, yeah, go riding as well. So, um, you know, I'd be doing early morning rides before breakfast and with a load of people, we'd have breakfast and we'd go out with another load of people and I'd finish it too, guiding. And then it'd be like, oh, what do I do now? 
so I'll go back to the chalet and pick up some more people and we'll go for another ride. <laughs> and uh, oh, but it was it was so good. Um, yeah, just so many fond memories and met like so many incredible people. I still keep in touch with who I guided, you know. And it's uh, I love I love seeing them. I see people in Queenstown all the time that I met in Whistler, showing them trails and yeah, it's just yeah, amazing place, great people. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So you have obviously had a pretty good summer in Whistler. Did you get to the mm. point where you didn't want summer to end and you were kind of looking for where else on the planet might be able to offer a good summer as, as Whistler yeah. dipped into winter? Is that how we ended up with a bit of Queenstown? Yeah, that that was totally it. Um, I had worked at Bareback um, biking with um, a couple of people who, who had worked in, in Queenstown um, at Vertigo Bikes, where I am now. Um, and uh, yeah, that was always something. And and obviously I've seen uh, so much about Queenstown. And I remember like the drop-in series when they came to Queenstown and like, uh, you know, everything you remember, everything on Pink Bike and th- things like that, you know. Um, so um, it, what actually happened is I ended up riding with uh, Pang, who uh, uh, is one of the bosses at, at Vertigo in Whistler. And um, we had a good ride. Um, him myself and and andy one of the the guys who worked at vertigo at the time and then um yeah we just started an email chain after that ride and i think a couple of months later i was flying to queenstown so <laughs> yeah. amazing and was yeah, that was awesome. to come and work in vertigo initially or was it just to come and be in queenstown and get involved yeah come, come to work at vertigo so like pretty much as soon as i landed yeah straight here got over the jet lag and and uh started chipping away so yeah incredible and you're yeah. working there as a mechanic is that right yeah yeah so um yeah it's um it's a pretty cool dynamic at vertigo we we have like a big o- it's it's different to some bike shops where the workshops all open so as well as fixing bikes we're talking to customers and like renting bikes and you know we do, we do everything there incredible um, and in the winter yeah. that becomes a ski shop does it yeah yeah and then um, you're still involved in the winter yeah Yes, it's uh, yes. Winter, it's it's weird. Winter here just seems to go in a flash. It's um, it's not like the UK where it kind of just drags for like six or so months. It's like two, three months maybe tops, and then it feels like you're straight back into it, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just a good time for a bit of a rest. Although it wasn't a rest yeah. this year, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So you're yeah. you're servicing skis in the winter, are you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not not skiing myself. I've never touched the snow. I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but the good thing is the snow never gets really that low in Queenstown. So you can ride your bike all year round. So um, I'm just probably too stubborn um, to give it a, a proper go. Um, but I know what I, I, I love. And any time skiing is time wasted, not riding a bike. So, you know. Fair play. Yeah. What? So what made the, the change between kind of, keeping the summer going between Whistler and Queenstown and then staying kind of permanently in Queenstown through, through the whole year. Mm. Um, I, right. Yeah. You've been to Queenstown, like you, you know how it's, it's just the place. It's fantastic. The community, the people, the trails. Um, I just wanted to stay in Queenstown. It's um, the all year round riding the the summers that last like, you know, eight, nine months, it's uh it's really something it really is yeah you've got um, a great community out there as well right for the riding side of things yeah yeah the mountain bike club here is like fantastic and the trails are just expanding like 
there's there's like twice as many trails here as there were it seems like four years ago it's um it's just it's always exciting you know yeah happy days so you're 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 settled into queenstown um obviously getting in heaps of riding working hard at, at vertigo and your i guess the first time i became aware of you was through your everstring everesting challenge on the queenstown kind of uh shuttle road up to the the top of the bike park was that the first time you'd kind of created a challenge for yourself or were there things before that that you were i guess chipping away at have you always sort of set yourself little personal goals um yeah i've always been one for for setting personal challenges and goals just to just to see what you can do and um how much it hurts i guess um <laughs> um so but yeah and then the everest um i did with uh henry quinney one of my fr- a good friend of mine um we just i think we both had the idea in our heads but then one evening we, we kind of uh we decided to get it done and um yeah, I think that's the twentieth or twenty first December twenty eighteen. That one, um, and that was yeah, a hell of a day, bloody good fun. Yeah, how many how many laps of the of the bike park is that effectively? Uh, so twenty two, um, and it's uh, it's a pretty steep access road as well. It's um, yeah, um, yeah, it's a big day. <laughs> yeah, how did you go about getting prepared for something like that? I know Henry had quite a lot of issues he'd been injured hadn't he i think coming up to that and he'd spent a lot of time kind of in physio and and maybe not so much bite time but what kind of yeah. prep goes into a, a big day like that yeah yeah heavy um it's incredible he he uh like you say he um didn't have much he had a bit of physio and a few issues beforehand and then he just goes and smashes that day out <laughs> um i i i did some big days beforehand but never um always about three maybe three and a half thousand vertical i figured if you know if you can do that on a normal day then you can probably knock out eight on a good day um so but apart from that it's just just riding lots just riding as much as possible um i i'm so new to it and i still i'm still very naive to, to preparation and things like that um i should really pay more attention but i don't know <laughs> it works yeah it works and the bike the bike you used for that again was not necessarily what you'd expect for a, a climbing based effort like it was it was it very much looked like you prioritized enjoying the um the descents rather than enjoying the climbs yeah yeah absolutely um i mean the bike part there's like here is so steep and rough um you what you have to be careful of if you're running like too much of a, a lighter weight uh, more pedal efficient bike you're probably exerting more as more or as much energy going down than you are like a bigger travel bike that that will essentially get you out of trouble and um mm-hmm. especially towards the end of the day you know if you're if you're making mistakes or becoming sloppy because you're exhausted um maybe like a hardtail or a, a lightweight short travel bike isn't gonna save you um and certainly like that long into a big effort you don't want to I'd rather pedal something or a bit, a bit bigger, a bit heavier, um, you know, um, yeah, fair play. Yeah. So nine, 19 hours, I think, give or take, it took you guys to, to smash that one out. Yeah. How are you fueling yourself for 19 hours of pretty much solid 
riding because it's i mean i've done a few like six hour type races and and even yeah. that's kind of hard to get enough food in you but 19 oh, hours yeah. is another another world entirely <laughs> um it's big days like that like you've just got to eat so much that you feel sick and you don't want to eat <laughs> like that's that's literally it like we we stationed our food station that day in the middle of a of the descent and every lap we'd stop and just just fill ourselves um you know um for me it was just like you know nuts nuts and uh like dry fruit um lots of mango um there's lots of salt like salt and vinegar crisps and stuff you know stuff that probably isn't a, a good a, a healthy food food but it does its job on the day um and lots of water lots of water lots of drinking again just drink even if you're not thirsty just drink you know yeah yeah you know? and the, the um, salt is to to deal with the high dehydration side of things right because i guess that's a real risk when you're pushing yourself that hard for that long yeah big days like that is um for me is cramping like in your legs and um once that starts like you, you're done and um it's so so difficult to come back from that um and i found that like, yeah eating lots of salt helps helps no end but um yeah, it, i don't know i mean probably good to speak to a proper nutritionist and see what it's all about but you know <laughs> if, if you found things that work it's all good right yeah yeah that's it <laughs> yeah so how, how did you feel once you completed that because that at least looking from the outside that feels like the first sort of big challenge that you ticked off it's certainly the first one that i've seen that kind of went public mm. like it featured on on a number of websites yeah yeah it's um um yeah, it felt good. I was amazed at how 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 fast we felt like we we'd recovered from that. I mean, we was riding a couple of days later, just just you know as normal. Um, but in terms of that, that like physically, that's that's how it felt. But also, like it was obviously something like that's an amazing relief to do. Um, and then we did that. Um, Henry wrote that article up, um, and uh, yeah, that that went on the internet. And it was a, what was incredible is um, the messages we were getting from people like just buzzing off it, and it's like, and and that's something I honestly didn't I didn't really think would would be a thing, um, you know. I thought it'd just be like a, a story. Oh, this is what this is what's happened. Here's some pictures, you know. Make of it what you will. Um, it might just be a nice story, but people are messaging, um, you know, months after that um at their stories and links to their strava activities and like just like look what we've done and and it was mentioned a few times in other people's ever interesting stories how it inspired them and it's like no way that 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 was really cool um it, it was really cool because like looking back like we i would always derive inspiration and like the buzz for riding off like dvds and and like you know stories like that and magazines stuff that would get you really pumped and you're just like you know you're shaking to get out on your bike and like it just makes you pedal faster and harder and to think that like that story like did that for somebody else was just like that was cool and it's like wow like i want to do that again <laughs> you know? so, yeah i'm guessing you you set out to do well, probably all of these challenges for yourself you didn't set out to create a piece of content or to to get a piece of fame within the mountain bike world it was purely like we want to do this because we want to see if we can do it right so that yeah. that was an unexpected byproduct i suppose but sounds like yeah. that almost started to become part of what what drives the next challenge i suppose 
Yeah, totally. That's it. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, doing that first one, like, I don't really know if anyone was going to care, nor did I really think I'd care if people do care, if you know what I mean. It was just something that I wanted to do or we wanted to do um, to see if it could be done because everyone who's rode that road knows it's hellish. And if, and the, the the idea of doing 22 laps, it's like, whoa, man, can we do it? I don't know. Let's just, let's just try it, like, see what happens. And it was like, it was a wild day. And like, and, and the, you know, the repercussions of that was felt, you know, it was amazing to finish it, but it was so amazing that people were doing Everest, like, and then being like, look what we've just done. It's like, and, and this is what inspired us. It's like, oh my God, that's like, that makes you feel pretty, pretty, yeah, cool to, to, you know, get people or be, be the reason somebody went out on their bike and pushed themselves. Like that was just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. I never, never thought, never anticipated it really. Yeah. So was it, was it that feedback and that energy coming back from the mountain bike community that made you want to go again, basically to kind of up things? Um, maybe a little bit of that, but more so, um, I wanted to see what else was was possible, and um, you know, the, the, the and I remember they, they say the sky's the limit, and I was like, well, how 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 high does the sky go? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then and I thought look, this is on the axis road. I remember vividly thinking about this. I was like, well, how high does the sky go? And I stopped halfway up the axis road, and I I went on my phone. I was like, I was like, how high is like because I, I remember in in science class like the the layers of the sky and yeah. um and i was like and and i remembered one of them was called the stratosphere so um i put how high is the stratosphere and it was like fifty five thousand vertical and then i carried on riding my bike up and i was thinking oh, i could probably you know wouldn't it be cool to to climb to the stratosphere um over a time period and then um people after the Everest always like, so what's next? What are you doing next? And then I just, I thought, well, that's probably next then. You know? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? And you, you, <laughs> set, you set yourself, I think 30 days to get that one done. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to try and do that. Um, obviously as well as working at Vertigo, it was kind of a, a challenge to, to manage my time. Um, and my, my body, efficiently that i could work a full-time job and climb it was i think it's 1800 vertical meters or around about that every day um throughout the, the month of december so um i actually started like five days into november so my last day would be christmas day um yeah it was it was it was again i i just wanted to do it for myself and i and i i did it without any intention of um I guess making a a singing dance about it, and then um, I wrote wrote a story for the internet, and uh, and then yeah, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, that was it. and uh, just talk a little bit about fitting that in around a full day, because I mean it's that's the peak summer for you guys, which is I'm guessing is pretty hectic in the bike shop, right? Yeah, it's it's full on um, in the summer, especially peak summer, like with the the rentals and the workshop and like you know the the bike park there is so brutal. Like we, we get people like carrying bits of bikes in all the time, you know, pleading with us to put it back together because they want a you know a holiday of a lifetime and they've got two days left in the in the gondola, and uh, yeah, and it's uh, 
and uh, yes, yeah, so it can be really full on. And December was horrendous that year. Like weather wise, the the lake actually flooded. It burst its banks um, to some extent because there's that much rain. Um, Whoa! And um, and to to fit riding in between work, I'd have to sometimes you know wake up and start pedaling like really like five five thirty I think it was. Um, do the riding and get to work and then yeah. Um, it was it was a challenge of time management, um, as well as, yeah, um, like it was it's a it's a big mental game that one, but it was it yeah. just that that just um that just opened and made me realise you know what else could be possible because, um, I managed to it it it, it felt really manageable, um, yeah, yeah, even even getting to like. I guess where was the hardest part in those 30 days was it did it get easier as you'd sort of got into a routine with it or did it get harder as the fatigue built and you know day on day on day that repetition of it yeah um it's odd because it it kind of I found with things like this um the the repetitive thing for me is never an issue um but um you would you feel the fatigue within like the first few days and then, um, like about thirty percent into the challenge, that like the fatigue would kind of stop and it become normal, um, you know. And it was just about, um, it was about like um, risk management, I think, more than anything. That like the long ones, big ones like that, because being tired can create mistakes, and that the worst thing you want to do is is throw that away because you're too tired, um, you know. So, uh, so yeah. I don't know. Lots of yeah. A lot. There, there's a lot learned from that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of. I can see as you build through these challenges how it's kind of laying the foundations for for what's to come. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, it's cool. You, you, go on. Sorry. So I, I was just about to say it's cool to see um, somebody else did a stratosphere last year. Um, a lad from the UK, um, and that was incredible to see to see that article come up on the internet. And and it was titled, you know, stratosphere climbing thirty days or something. I was like, no way, like, because I know what that would have taken, and uh, and it was brilliant. Like that was such a buzz. That was yeah, yeah, definitely. And has, yeah, so few people on the planet that have done these challenges that it must mm. it must be strange for you to kind of you've almost got a view inside their their psyche in a way, like you know what they've been through, and you can you can empathize in a way that virtually yeah. no one else in the on earth can right mm, yeah yeah it was it was awesome because you know what it mean takes to go out every day and do that so yeah yeah impressive feat so you've you've done that one tick that off and then you got focused on a a volcano on mars is that right <laughs> how, yeah. how does that i didn't even know this thing existed until i saw your challenge <laughs> well yeah um Again, after doing the stratosphere thing, um, uh, uh, a video got released in March time. Um, Sam came into came to Queenstown and and did a, a an article, a true story piece on that, which is which is mind blowing. Like that, an opportunity to film that and go through the notions, of, the motions of going up the access road again, and you know, telling that story was was incredible. Um, that was a great experience but after that came out people were saying oh what's next you know and uh, i was getting those questions again and um pang my boss sent me this magazine article 
Um, and it was just about the, the biggest mountain in the solar system. And I think he probably half jokingly was like, ah, you're doing this next. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah, why not? And this um, thing is like, what, just a bit, a bit over 21,000 metres, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just over 21,000 vert. So, um, yeah, it makes Everest look like a molehill. It's, yeah, a big old mountain. But um, yeah. it, if you divide it by three, um, it's almost three, yeah, almost three Everest. So the idea was to try and do almost, essentially, almost three back-to-back Everest, um, you know, so over three days. So I created this challenge and like a website to match because knowing that people draw draw inspiration off it and like with the stratosphere, went, and re- went out and did one. I thought, well, if other people want to do it, we could create like a, you know, a, 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 a web page with everyone, everyone's achievements. Uh, no one else has done it yet, though. <laughs> No, I, was say, I had a look at the website yesterday and saw you were still the only person on there. Oh, I mean, man. I, I, yeah. Go on. Uh, I got messages off people um, all again, all around the world. Just like, yeah, yeah, this is, I, I really want to give it a go. And um, like, what would you recommend? And um, asking me for advice. And I, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's um, I'd so really, really want people to do it. Like, <laughs> you know, um, because it'd be it'd be cool to it'd be cool to see their stories, you know. Definitely, and you didn't you didn't make your life easy with that one. Like you, I think you did three different days as well, three different rides, three sort of different locations to to keep it fresh, rather than looping out one particular kind of kind of loop. Yeah, just yeah. talk us through those three days a little bit. Give us a bit of a feel for them because I don't think they were particularly straightforward either, right? No, no, they weren't. Um, the so the mountain itself kind of has like these weird, it doesn't just go up like a typical mountain. It's, it's like a series of volcanoes um, that form like a giant mountain. Um, Mm -hmm. So it kind of has plateaus and different gradients. And I thought what would be cool is if you divided the elevation into three days um, and each day had to be a different up and down loop. Um, Just to, probably more for like homage to the mountain i guess but also it'll make the riding different and interesting and um um probably um yeah like like so basically the first day was skyline which i did 17 laps of which going back mm-hmm. to the everest and the stratosphere it's like a well-known climb and descend um i was descending down like pretty much straight down the hill though just to get down to the bottom as fast as possible um the, the the Olympus Mons was kind of in it's kind of like an Everest and a stratosphere in a sense that it's very big days, um, but also consecutive days, not just one. So, mm-hmm. um, so so there is like the the big effort, but there's also time management, which is a really big thing, because I knew that I had to do it as fast and efficiently as possible to get home, to rest, to try and sleep before the next day. Um, so, the first day. Yeah, did 17 laps of Skyline, um, which was pretty much went went really well. Um, There was was no big issues at all. The second day, I only had like four, five hours sleep, not even that. I I had like just waking up with the horrendous cramps in my legs, like, um, and knowing that I had to be on the bottom of the the Coronet Peak Road, like at 12 
at midnight that night was was um it was grim because you know it's like oh man it's only three hours away and i haven't slept yet and i've just done the second biggest oh. day i've ever done on the bike <laughs> um, oh, so um it was it but but you was so invested in it it was like well you know it's, it's going to happen there's no there's no ifs or buts um the second day up coronet road which is like a it's a climb how is it i think it's about 800 meters climbed from top to to bottom to the top of the, the road to the base mm-hmm. building of the ski fields and then descending down rude rock which is um quite a famous trail here um and then uh down the lower part of the road so i mean about an 800 meter climb that was the worst day without a doubt um there despite it being like summer like uh there was like snow hail like every kind of weather all in one day um the second or third lap i i pretty much fell asleep at my handlebars um <laughs> which is which is an odd experience luckily i had um uh jamie there uh, a friend who who was who was doing a huge day um of, of his own and he rode rode me all all the day and even further on to the, to the next day um and he like we had a rest at the stop and like we had each other for company and luckily he was there because i was i think i was swerving all over the place at one point Whoa. um yeah that was that was a really grim day a really really you grim caught day. a little a little nap on some uh some ski padding i think was that that day i saw, yeah. saw a photo <laughs> yeah yeah i fell asleep for about 20 minutes in and when it's freezing cold like that it's probably quite dangerous um but yeah it, but what was funny about that day is after the hailstorms and the snow and riding through the dark um it became like an absolutely glorious summer's day and we were down to t-shirts and like it the trails had dried up and it was dusty it was really quite surreal um but but great you know and and by midday the, the road was full of people shuttling um up there and you know riding with all the other friends as well they'd come up for laps and stuff it's it's really cool um and then the third day was on remarks road which is um just like a, a road all the way up to the base building of, of the remarkables like a another ski field um which the road kind of turned into a gravel road towards the top um and uh, yeah, six laps of that, which which seemed like the home straight, you know, even though it's seven thousand plus meters, it was the home straight. So uh, <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> you, how are you feeling physically on that third day then? Because you've got a huge amount, like two of your biggest ever days in your legs, back to back, limited sleep, yeah. you know, hypothermia and all the other fun stuff that comes with it. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, my nickname is Hypothermia Hildred, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, when it comes to cold weather, I'm an absolute wimp. Um, um, my, uh, oh man, my, funny, on that third day, my knees were like, they had so much fluid underneath them, I could like pick up my kneecaps and move them around my uh, <laughs> my Whoa. leg. Which was, this is um, just inflammation or? Yeah, I think so. Um, just so much repetitive um, motion you know it wasn't wasn't good they hurt they hurt a lot but i think i used like half a tub of deep heat just to try and ignore it you know for as long as possible <laughs> um, but yeah and then the, the last lap um on the last day was just incredible um vertigo closed early and um all the staff came up and a few friends to uh to ride the last lap with me so yeah that's super special yeah must have felt 
pretty amazing to do that because I think, I mean, you've, you've done some really hard stuff up to this point, but that feels like a potentially the most sort of challenging physically mm. to do those three days back to back is you yeah. must have felt pretty beat up, but pretty elated, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's funny because I know I could do an Everest and I knew I could um, do big days consecutively, but that was kind of, um, although I was positive, I was very sure I could do it. Um, it was never a definite. And there's so many factors over, over that period of time, riding that intensely, um, you know, intensively is like, you know, things could, things could fail. I could, I could have an injury. I could, you know, put a foot wrong on a descent on a corner and twist my ankle and everything, everything will be for nothing. You know, it was just so many things to, to worry about. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, 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 pay, it, it worked it paid off and um again I, I you know i could have done that on a lightweight cross-country bike but i did it on like a it's kind of like a short travel trail bike that one i did it on um, the, the santa cruz tall boy so it's like 120 140 mil travel yeah. um so just so it's like enjoyable on the descents again as well you know um nice that was cool well, if you're gonna do it it might as well be fun right yeah oh yeah absolutely it's um that was that was special that one um the so after i did um the stratosphere um i treated myself to a to santa cruz high tower um i always wanted one and there was like one available uh in stock in new zealand because the stock was super low at that time so i was just like oh i bit the bullet and just bought it <laughs> and um and then we when we did the SRAM video um i was riding the high tower and um after that video um a few like people took took notice which is which is like wild and then santa cruz are like oh if you if you think of doing something again a bit daft just let us know you know <laughs> um and uh and then so i said well i've got this idea for the olympus bonds um you know and this is how i'm going to do it and i'm going to build this website for it and i want it to be something to reach towards like an everest you know and there is like yeah there's like yeah cool um what bike would you want to do it on so i was like oh no way <laughs> like a kid in a sweet shop oh couldn't believe it couldn't believe it so so yeah um i didn't have to worry about my my gear that time you know and uh, it's it's good to go into something like that with every confidence that your bike's going to be spot on so yeah that was special yeah, yeah. did yeah. you ever think you'd get like brands throwing bikes and products at you for doing this kind of stuff <laughs> no no i'm just a daft lincolnshire lad <laughs> riding up hills too much um yeah trying to trying to make up for the the amount of years not you know not riding proper mountain bike resorts yeah no no not at all um it's still it's still so so bizarre it, but it's incredible um and hopefully you know they, they can um see some worth in it and they and they have obviously yeah. so um yeah that's cool that's really cool definitely yeah incredible so was uh, as as the kind of one million feet in a year thing always been bubbling away in the back of your head because it's a i guess a fairly not common but it's a it's a challenge that a few people have definitely completed mm. over the years it's something that's sort of kicking around and you, you hear a little bit about every now and again was it always something that you were were toying yeah. with the idea of yeah uh, yeah for sure um and going back um my friend henry had did it, done it before and it's always something he mentioned he's like he said oh you should give it a go 
Um, and it's kind of like the only thing missing of my like resume of really stupid climbs. So I, I, it had to be done at, at some point, you know? Um, so I thought it'd be really fitting to, to start it on the 1st of January and then just, just run it through. Um, but the intention was never to do it as fast as possible, you know? Um, but it kind of got that way. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that a bit. Before we get into the challenge itself, talk, just talk us a little bit through the bike that you've chosen to do that on and and maybe some of the kind of, not unusual things, but some of the, the, the choices you've made as far as setup goes. Yeah, so um, I did probably 90, 95% of that challenge on my on my high tower again um which is like a yeah 145 160 mil travel trail bike um so um again knowing that most of my riding was going to be in the bike park that kind of bike would be i figured the best thing to use um um so yeah what did i, I had like a yeah a lyric on there always run xo plus casing tires which is like a more of a lighter weight tire um but it, it's um uh, over over long periods climbing you know you, you can that that drag is notable if you run like a, a thicker heavier tire on there yeah you're um, running the max grip or the max terror compounds you know uh max terror okay. yeah yes yeah, so you've got terror. a little bit less rolling resistance there as well yeah and longevity um yeah. you know because because you know i was going through that like those, those disposable products weren't lasting too long um yeah fair enough and uh yeah, I, I mean, I ran um, like the AXS group set on that on that bike as well, which is kind of like it's kind of nice because it's just so effortless. <laughs> so it's like um, you know um, that was that was cool, and because like most of the the climbs the skyline was like straight up, straight down, um, I'd set it up so just one push and it just goes straight up the cassette again. So at the bottom, I just like you know, not even think about it. Um, and do you, I'm ever, just to think- do you ever worry about battery life or reliability with that? Cause it's, mm. I mean, I've heard good things about it, but it's, it's electric and yeah. sometimes these things don't work. Well, that's it. Um, I, I was like, um, I was very curious about, about the AXS and then I, I ran it for the Olympus Mons and, um, for, for a few months in between as well. Like, and, and it was, I never had any issues and you kind of just get into the, just kind of get into the routine you know you you pick up your bike in the garage you you do a shift on the on the on the paddle and you look at your mech and if it's a red light you scram put a new battery in if it's green light then don't worry about it you know um simple as that that's 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 as far as worrying about battery life goes um yeah and they last quite I, a while do they yeah yeah like uh, oh a few, yeah a couple of weeks um okay. a, a even few at weeks, the amount even. you're riding yeah yeah, yeah that, riding every day um i did one day one time just out of curiosity, I just ran it on a red light for as long as possible, and I was still I was like in the in the red for for a few days, you know, um, and then just always had a, a spare one in my pocket just in case. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just on that day. Um, but yeah, other than that, bike setup is just pretty standard. Um, yeah, talking point always yep. seems to be my seat post height, but you're just tall, right? <laughs> just just tall i really don't get it it baffles me that that kind of thing but yeah you run the saddle quite tipped down at the front right because you're yeah. basically you're either not using the saddle or you're climbing 
Yeah, exactly. And and the, the climbs are always relatively steep. Um, so it just makes total sense. You know, it's just it's such a better, it's more comfortable seated position just to tilt it down ever so slightly. Um, and it does look a bit, it, initially it does look a bit daft, some people might argue, but it, I, it's all about, you know, efficiency and and how well it works and performs, you know. So you yeah. can go in. Well, you, you say it's all about efficiency, but you, you choose to ride flat pedals for these oh, yeah. uh, challenges. Do you think there's any efficiency <laughs> gain to be had with clips or are you just so comfortable on, on the yeah, flat? I forgot about my flat pedals. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've just always worn flat pedals. Um, and I, sorry, I tell a lie. I'm, I'm a road bike. I, I, I've ran clips before. Um, but I, like, I, I, I don't know. I also think on big days, um, being able to move your feet around um, is, is, is quite good. Descending on flat pedals, I believe, is more fun. Um, you can, like, for sure, there's, there's what's to be had, like, if, you, if you're breaking it down in terms of climbing. Um, but I, I don't think it's, uh, it's, worth, it's worth it to, 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 to step away from the flat pedals. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. it's just fun watching Sam Hill. Yes, you know, yeah, I think that's why most of us do it. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone just wants to be Sam Hill or Chris Kavarik, you know. Um, and uh, I think just wanting to do that, and then yeah, just 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 ne- never never trying SPDs. Plus, um, if you if you run clip pedals, you probably won't be able to work at Virgo Bikes. We have a strict flat pedal policy, <laughs> you know. So. Um, <laughs> uh which is great <laughs> love it quality you mentioned you mentioned what so i saw you had a power meter on the bike is that mm. why is that there what what are you kind of using that for within these challenges um i i used that i didn't use that um during the million feet um that, that was just that was just there um i, I don't know I, I never really took it off or replaced it with a chain <laughs> um but um during the olympus mons i did leading up to it i did just for purely out of curiosity um to see what was interesting is what you would assume to be an efficient climb um you know in terms of gears or how you're feeling or you know the the gradient um once you look at the wattage and your output um probably wasn't that efficient in terms of energy consumption um so it's especially for picking the, the days and deciding which order they went in. Um, I could determine using the parameter beforehand which days might be um, easier, um, you know. So I could yeah. I could run them. I ran it hardest to, to easiest day in terms of my watt my my wattage output. So okay, because not um, every meter climbed is kind of equal in how much it takes out of you. I suppose. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Not all meters are equal. Yeah. Uh, yeah interesting although they are <laughs> although they are but not all meters are equal <laughs> no, no not all meters are equal like that you know the vertical meters you gain on a glorious summer's day where they just seem to, to fly by whilst you're chatting to mates are not equal to the ones 5 a.m in the morning on your own in the pouring rain yeah you know fair comment so but they're all as yeah. valuable as each other 
So. Definitely. You run a you run a pretty high tire pressures, and you also run the tires towards very much the end of their life, which is fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, did that ever get? Well, first off, I guess talk about why you're running those high pressures. But did it ever get a bit sketchy? Um, yeah, it was just because I couldn't couldn't afford um, I couldn't afford any punches or any accidents. You know, um, if I'm like go out and I've got like a everything was very like uh, time restricted and and time based. So yeah, you know, I, I knew that I had this amount of time and I need to do this amount of elevation. So um, if I was to have a puncher, that would ruin that day, which would put me back for the for the day's lead. You know. Um, so I would always just run high pressures, which isn't as grippy, um, and it's not as not as good, obviously descending. But it was just uh, through necessity, I think. You know, I had one yeah. puncher in two hundred days. I think it was. That's maybe. incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that was just because Which... I ran the tire to its, to its last legs. Like there's nothing on it, and a stick went straight through the middle of it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Not much you can do about that. And then kind of talking about other bits and bobs, am I right in thinking you don't, you're not a padded shorts kind of guy? No. Uh, yeah, you are right. But yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of miles. How, yeah. how have you achieved that? Have you just found a saddle that's a, a super good fit for you? I've just, um, yeah, I've never worn a chamois. Like I, I try, I've tried like road riding shorts you know bib shorts and stuff but um i've just never got on with them and um i don't know i just got used to it and just had a good saddle i i, I do i do think and i know this is um um uh, it, it, it's um a, a viewpoint that that won't be probably taken too well in, in mountain biking but i don't think a chamois is is that necessary um when you're in such a dynamic riding position on a mountain bike um because on a, on a road bike you know you're sat in that position you know tucked into your handlebars for for sometimes hours and then you know in the same position whereas a mountain bike you know you, you ride in technical trails and you're always up and out the saddle or you know moving around um and i think sometimes a chamois is just a substitute for a poor ill-fitting saddle um and yeah I found a saddle that, that works really well and I know the width I need now and um the cutout which which all which works for me and um it's just yeah, never had any issues really. Yeah, so, fair play, impressive mm. stuff. And you another little nice touch on the bike, you've shrink wrapped the brake levers so that your fingers don't get cold. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> gloveless as much as you can be. Yeah, yeah. I I think um I love the idea of just um just getting on a bike and going like, i think the less technical wear you need to you know use or prepare yourself with the better you know because that's yeah like like going back to the to the beginning you know um mountain like cycling is a, is a form of freedom i think is what it, that probably like not being tied to to so much kit to to associate with riding and to have to prepare to go and ride your bike probably comes a lot from riding bmx a lot too um where you do just jump on your bike and go so uh, and that's that's where the gloveless thing and the, the shrink wrap levers come from um it feels feels quite weird to have for me to have gloves on so unless it's really baltic cold you know i like to complain a lot about being cold as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. me too that's fair enough <laughs> 
So you you set off on this this challenge. Um, I think kind of was it late December, early January. Yeah, first of January is when I started. Um, yeah, and as I said, the intention never was to do it as flat out fast as possible. Um, so I started. If you work it out over a year, it's about eight hundred eight hundred fifty vertical meters a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started out, and I thought I'd just do a thousand, just to you know build up build a bit of a base. Um, and then that's really easy in Verde, in in Queenstown midsummer, you know, to go out and ride your bike that much every day. It's um, that's just what you'd almost do anyway. Yeah. Um, but so, having said that, though, did you not run into some fairly significant issue on like day six where your left was it your left eye decided it yeah. wasn't going to work right anymore? <laughs> yeah, it was my my right eye. Uh, yeah, sixth of January. Um, I just. Uh, yeah, I woke up and was having breakfast and my, my vision just like kind of like somebody just put a big gray dot right in the middle of your eye. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just lost, lost pretty much most of my vision in my right eye. Um, apart from like my peripherals, which is quite scary. Um, I, I've, I wear contact lenses and I have done all my life. Um, I've, cause I have very, very bad, uh, eyes, like very short sighted. Um, so I was always told to look out for signs that my retina might detach. So I thought mm-hmm. that's what it was. Um, so I rang the, the opticians and they, they told me to get down immediately, you know, uh, no, regardless of appointments, because if it is a retina, then you only have a certain amount of time, I think, to, to repair it, to, to save your eye. Um, so I went down there. And they told me, they told me as well, they're like, um, don't raise your heart rate, your blood pressure, um, come down as soon as possible. Don't worry, keep calm kind of thing. I, I assume that's because it has something to do with, you know, it can affect things. Um, but the issue was I lived up, up the hill. So if I freewheeled into town and it was good, and nothing to worry about. I could pedal back and get some elevation gain. So, <laughs> so, so I went, but I locked my bike up. Uh, you know, river, not in like, ice sight of the um, of, of the of the, spec, of the opticians. Just they didn't know that I bite there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it turned out it was um, just a, it wasn't a retina detachment. It was a, a hemorrhage in my eye. So like blood basically had pierced the the wall, the cell of um, the cells in your in your eye. So that you, you basically the black the, the grey dot was was me trying to look through a load of blood basically so uh-huh. yeah wow yeah, so how do they treat that um with injections in your eyeballs which is lovely <laughs> just, which is horrible <laughs> um yeah it, it's um it's not necessarily not that isn't really a um a treatment it's just a prevention to make it stop it getting worse um okay in terms of treating it um it's i still don't have full vision um everything's kind of very very blurry in the center of my my right eye uh-huh. the um essentially like the the blood that was there has, has dissipated now and it's disappeared but it's left essentially like a scar tissue um in my eye which makes which means i don't have any focus with the maybe my right eye um in the center at least so yeah i rely a lot on my left so it affects that it did at the start affect depth perception pretty bad um and trying to trying to see stuff um when it starts to get a bit darker during the day and things you know it's really difficult um 
which did hinder riding a little bit, but I didn't really want to admit it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not like an easy start to a year long challenge, is it? You must, uh, yeah. Like psychologically, that must be quite hard to, to process and, and, and and refocus on what you're trying to do. Focus is not the best word to use. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it was difficult. And I don't know, having such bad eyes, like, my, my, always my biggest fear is is losing vision like it's always like a terrifying prospect um especially because it's always been um you know always, always been mentioned at, ex- at eye exams and things and when stuff like this goes wrong because it's happened in the past it's always like you know this will happen to you from now on kind of stuff but i've always been kind of dismissive about it um so it was um yeah, it was kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth, but um, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, know? fair play. So you're, you're cracking on with uh, with the challenge at hand. You you sort of like you say trying to trying to get a thousand meters a day done. This is a mm. pretty different challenge in its construct to the others, right? So uh, the other challenges have been much shorter in their duration. I guess the month long um, stratosphere yeah. challenge is the longest. You've done. It feels like anyway. You've done a reasonable amount of the riding on on these challenges to date with other people because of the nature of them. But that becomes a lot harder when you're out every day chipping yeah. away at this. Um, and also, I guess the pressure is going to build throughout it because every day you go further into it without any issues the risk of issues is, or the probability of issues gets higher and, and the consequence of those issues gets higher. And yeah. also the eyes start to turn towards you. I guess you get a bit more attention because most of the other stuff, it feels like you've sort of done and I'm sure you've, you know, your local friends and stuff have known you're doing it, but pretty much the whole mountain bike world knew you were doing this one. Yeah. How, <laughs> how did it feel as you work your way through this? Like, how did you deal with it? Um, hmm on an ongoing basis because the pressure must ramp yeah it's um that's yeah it's really and it's it's so true and um the the big thing that you mentioned there was the um the worry and the concern that i started to to have of, of doing something wrong that could put all this you know um to waste um on the bike you know if i was to if i was to fall off or have have an accident or or have like a repetitive strain injury or something like that you know it was kind of um looking because i started on the first of january i could see to the minute how much time i'd put into the to the riding you know um since the start of the year so you know when i when i'd look at the the stats and think you know three i've invested 300 hours into this um, you know, I'm stuck at the top of the chair and thinking, man, if I if I take that line and I do it wrong, that, that could all be for nothing. Um, that it kind of it certainly affected the way I rode my bike. Um, but then that's kind of sad as well because it it wouldn't be for anything because I've just been riding my bike for 300 plus hours at that point, which is inc- which is just being great fun regardless. Um, but you you kind of put these pressures on yourself especially as you say when people the you know the people are watching and um there's there's interest ramping up you know (laughs) um especially locally you know 
ramblers and, and the local locals up the hill, you know, would start to, to take interest and wonder why what I'm doing, you know. Um, to a point where they'd, you know, they'd often shout out, How many today, Ben? And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is my fourth. <laughs> and they awesome. become invested and people do become invested in it, which which was a bit of um uh pressure, you know. Um it was little pressure compared to what the pressure I put on myself. So, yeah. yeah. How how does fun factor in this? Because the reason you ride your bike is because you enjoy it and it's fun. But yeah. you, when you when you put all of this kind of requirements on riding, like I can't crash, I need to get this much done, I need to do it day in day out, independent yeah. of what the weather's doing. Does yeah. it does it take the fun away? Did you manage to? Did you manage to enjoy a lot of this riding? Yeah, for the for the most part, like it was it was fun. It was out riding the bike, so you know it was it was it was okay. There there were some some really grim days, though, like really really grim days where um, yeah, you'd wonder what the hell you're doing, but you, you're that far into it, you've got no you've got no choice but to go out and you know bury yourself or you know be so so cold you, you you're making like a you know a whimpering noise that you can't help um you know it's um yeah there's um the the fun element did <laughs> did go wayside for 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 a certain you know part of, of, of those 200 days it's kind of coming into winter it, it started to get pretty bad um, yeah, you did. But, you did quite a lot yeah. of it in the winter, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think the last seventy-three days was half a million um, or something like that. Yeah, June, July was up to nineteenth of July was was really really big. Um, but by that point, I, I almost felt like you were, you know, you are almost there. So, so yeah. Yeah, you came up with a fairly creative approach to the fact that your fingers weren't working at the end of at least one of your rides, right? <laughs> which, um, which was, I uh, I read somewhere that you you got home and your fingers were so cold that you couldn't oh, yeah. undo your shoes or get out of your jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's um, yeah. I'd literally just like there's uh, the carpet in between the the. Uh, the, the front door in the bathroom is like three big strides so i kind of like just just kicked some stuff into place so i could take three big strides and just like jumped into the shower and just sat in the shower like you know have you ever had hot aches from being like so cold and then coming so fast like yeah. i've never had hot aches in my arms and my legs before but as well as my toes and my fingers wow. it was so so bad but i was also conscious that looking at my my soaking wet phone i had to be at work on the shop floor in 30 minutes so i just kind of stood in the shower just like violently shaking making these noises like a dying giraffe just <laughs> with all your clothes on with all my clothes on yeah <laughs> yeah so um so yeah that was um yeah there's certainly some some low points but also they're the they're the, they're the times when you, you you have the best stories you know um yeah so, some evenings coming home from work after like a, a big shift coming home at like 9 10 p.m and just being so exhausted like you can't even fathom like making any food i'll be sat in bed with like a can of beetroot you know <laughs> drink the beetroot drink the drink the beetroot sauce and then just like, like fork out the beetroot and that'll do that'll do for tomorrow i've got to be up early you know so to my bike so Incredible. i can't really faff about 
<laughs> were, you, were you ever yeah. were you ever late for work in this entire time? Um, I don't think I was actually. Um, no, I I kind of pride myself a bit on that, uh, punctuality in that sense. Um, that was half the challenge, you know. So, um, so yeah. No, I was the the biggest week of the whole two hundred days was mid July during the school holidays here in in New Zealand and, and Australia. So it was also our busiest week in the shop. And I think the biggest week I did on the bike was also like a close to a 50 hour work week. Um, so that was, that was a, a full on time. Amazing. Um, how are you, how are you managing all of that then? So you were doing quite a lot of the riding before work. Yeah. But you've also got, yeah. you've got to go shopping at some point. Like you've got to eat, you've got to look after yourself. How are you fitting yeah. everything in? That's the great thing. Cause, cause the, 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 just the food shop, is 200 meters elevation away from my house so <laughs> so i just factor that into exactly 200 meters in fact so i just fact the good thing is i live on a hill so yeah just factor that into my bike ride you see um but yeah but it's what's weird is work became forced rest um because i was able to to in a sense relax at work and it was warm and uh and there, that was time i had to stay off the bike so um so yeah, I'd look forward to going to work because I could relax. So um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. What about what about sleep? Like, are you someone that needs a decent amount? Can you get away with a bit less? Like, how long are your are your sleep needs? Um, it's um, for for the June July. I was waking up most nights just just with cramps from not from not um, eating eating or, or drinking enough water, you know. But I would. Um, I'd always always get a good amount of sleep. Um, I'd always work better on. I, I, I'm not one of those people who can just have two hours here or there. You know, I need a good good night's sleep. So that was always a priority for me. You know, yeah. are you doing anything to sort of optimize the quality of your sleep, or are you naturally gifted sleeper? Um, just a naturally gifted. That's one of my talents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did. Um, I did download this album by a guy called Max Richer, actually, who created oh, yeah. a an eight hour soundscape um for for sleep to listen to watch you sleep which seems uh-huh. really odd um and uh, that that's really cool because the 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 music kind of goes is meant to go along with the, the patterns and type of sleep so um so it kind of follows that pattern and i'd often put that on as i fell to sleep and oddly enough i'd always wake up on exactly the same part on exactly the same you know the time through through the through the album and yeah. um and i'd always have a really good sleep um and uh and oddly remember most of the music so that was really odd <laughs> but that kind of worked if i yeah. if i thought i wasn't going to get a good night's sleep i took that album on um and uh, yes yeah, it's, it's quite nice interesting what what yeah. other sort of physical maintenance are you doing to your body because you didn't have any rest days right you couldn't really afford no. to take a rest day yeah i didn't have uh, a day off the bike i still haven't had a day off the bike actually this year um <laughs> it's just too good isn't it? <laughs> it um um but yeah so i'd had no rest days um but i, I had to be on top of stretching stretching and rolling um you know especially like the legs um but it kind of it kind of just became part of the routine you know so um yeah it was never never too much of a chore yeah how long time-wise would you would you kind of dedicate to that on a daily basis um probably not long enough but like probably like 
10 to 15 minutes maybe more okay. um depends on how how tight like you know your like your it bands and stuff on your legs your glutes as well like that was a big thing because i'm quite tall um the what you'd find is what i'd find is i experience like lower back pain um just through being in like the same position for so long every day yeah. but what i'd find is it isn't actually lower back pain it's just the glutes being so tight and like whatever's down there i again it's a it's just my yeah my experience of this kind of stuff is as bad as experiences my my nutrition like i'm not very good at it at all really but i know that if i roll roll that bit on the bottom of your back then you're all good to go so yeah, yeah. Do you, did you experience any changes in your body physically over the period like weight loss or muscle increase or anything anything noticeable yeah i, th- I think i lost about almost 10 not no about six six kilograms i think it was maybe more um but it was and that was whilst trying to eat as much as possible and you know it, it was it was yeah but but not not really i think because i'd always just rode bikes so much anyway it was just kind of uh almost been prep, preparing for it for quite a while <laughs> yeah. you know do you, do you um, eat are you vegetarian um I'm the other V word, the one that has, yeah, yeah. Okay. Has a bit of stigma attached to it, but, um, but it yeah. It does, but there, there seems to be some sort of, I don't know, there seems to be a strong link between um, veganism and endurance performance. I don't think it's necessarily mm. been proven, but there's definitely some, some fairly significant uh, yeah talk around that do you do you think that's helped i know it's sort of it's good from a low inflammation perspective certainly mm. yeah it's um i'm not too sure because i i i've not eaten meat or anything like that for, for quite a while now so it'd be difficult for me to draw comparisons um but probably I, you know i've heard that the recovery time is, is better um and, and things like that um but it's, it's it's difficult because eating like that and my diet is just so normal to me now that I wouldn't be able to say that it's better or worse, you know, but I've certainly become adapt to it and it works well for me, you know, yeah. um, I certainly have no, no issue. I mean, eating, eating enough fuel to do something like that is kind of challenging enough anyway, but when you're, when you're restricted in that, that way as to what you can choose from, yeah. I'm guessing that makes it kind of even harder. Are there are there any go to food sources or particular meals that you found useful to to get in huge amounts of energy mm. through through a vegan diet? Well, yeah, like the other than tin beetroot. The, I, I went through a phase during the the the, the last section of, of those two hundred days of eating a whole for lunch as well as whatever I had for lunch, I'd prepare by eating a whole head of broccoli um, every day, which, yeah. which as soon as I started doing that, that actually made quite a bit of difference. And I think that's like full of, full of iron and good stuff, you know? Um, but no, I'd also, um, people assume if you're vegan, you eat really well, um, but you can also eat pretty shit as well. And uh, Oreos, man, all oh, my days, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the ones, um, Oreos and dark chocolate yeah if you need that sugar um you know but generally i, I don't know it, it's kind of difficult to 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 try and determine what people would assume a, a normal diet and then trying to figure out how mine 
differs, you know, because it's just just so normal. But lots of I try and eat lots of greens, lots of dark greens. Also, dark greens and leafy greens are good for your eyes. So I always was always very conscious of that. Um, trying to help, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you're putting a lot of a lot of good fuel in, plus a few Oreos mm. and a bit of chocolate. Are they the kind of yeah. the sort of thing you take out on the bike with you, or do you yeah, tend not to yeah. eat when you're out on the bike? Uh, um yeah. There, there'd be. I'd usually stash like some good food at the bottom of the uh, each lap, you know. So, um, so yeah. Um, I, I'd always always take something out. Yeah. yeah. And and how how did this challenge impact you? mentally because i'm guessing a lot more of the riding on this was was done solo surely not all of it yeah. but it gives you plenty of time to be alone with your own thoughts and it's quite a challenging 200 days as yeah. it turned out yeah yeah um gosh it's it's a yeah I, tricky one to talk about because there was some some really 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 difficult days and i certainly wouldn't wish my company those days to to my worst enemy <laughs> um yeah it's um see after a while it it doesn't become about the pedaling and the physical challenge you know because after after a short time you you know that you've kind of you can do it and that's the easy part it's just turning the legs you know and then having the reward at the top and then doing it all over again you know running off the buzz of that that descent that that became really easy um but yeah the toughest thing was the the mental aspect and being alone on your bike for so long you know, yeah that, that <laughs> kind of toy t- tears you down um it's a weird one how do you how do you deal with that did you find strategies to to, to kind of i guess start to work out how to like yourself again after some of yeah. those moments because it can be pretty horrible when you fall out with yourself right oh yeah it's it's awful you wonder what what the hell are you doing why are you doing it um yeah i think that's interesting that you say falling out of yourself and that's that's so true um it, it, yeah tricky what what what's difficult is um you would i, I would spend time on my own to recover and recuperate from spending time on my own um but but it's um yeah i i'm a person of solitude i think but sometimes that solitude isn't good for you um and uh but luckily i had the companion of my bike with me on those times so you know and music and podcasts that's that can take your mind off stuff if it gets too uh, bad okay. yeah 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 it's <laughs> yeah. definitely some, something to take yourself out of your own head a bit i guess oh yeah 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 what what i find is on the bad days like negative thoughts can be like are amplified horrendously um and as soon as something comes into your head then then you know you're done for you really are um and um it's so so easy to become very very pessimistic um, which is the worst thing whilst you're in the midst of doing something that requires all your mental strength. Um, so yeah, certainly like some, some really grim days, but, um, nobody can hear you shout <laughs> when you're the on your own. And sometimes there's a lot of shouting going on, uh, only to myself, but it, sometimes it wasn't even internally. So, uh, yeah, let it out, haven't you? Was was yeah, there ever yeah. any doubt that you'd finish it? Like, did you ever get to that point where you started to wonder? 
Um, no, nah, there's always, I, I knew I was going to do it, but it got, became a point where I was like, I'm going to do this earlier and uh, I can, I can do this before the 365 days. And then I started setting my goalposts back to more manageable times. And then two weeks before the end, I thought, man, if I really go hard, I can do this in 200 days and 200 days sounds great because it's 165 days faster than the assumed time, which is quite a chunk, you know? Um, it's huge. So, so I was like, that's what, that's what was my, I, that was my eventual aim. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's funny. It's funny what, what bikes can do to you. <laughs> you know, um, a, a, a bit of mental fortitude and just straight out stubbornness. You can really twist yourself into some big knots and put yourself into some miserable places, but at the same time, just be so elated that nothing else compares it's uh it's, it, it's pretty ridiculous yeah, it's, it's a wild sport up. oh man it's awesome nothing nothing beats it yeah it's, it can uh, deliver some low lows but some incredible highs depending on how your day's going right yeah totally and some at the same time as well <laughs> yeah, yeah, bonkers, sure. yeah. Do, do you feel like uh a better person is not the right way to put it but do you feel like you've learnt things, taken things away from it. Like, do you feel like a better person as a result of having completed it? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel what's, what's interesting is throughout the whole 200 days, I spent every day telling myself it's not much. It's not much. Like, because that's my way of coping with it, is, is saying it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. Just do this day and you'll do it again tomorrow. And you're just going to keep doing that until it's done. So what was interesting is I spent that much time dulling it down in my head that once I had did it, done it, and I finished it in my last day, and it wasn't even a relief. It's just like, oh, there we go. That was that done, in it? I knew I could do that. And there wasn't anything. And it was so, so weird because everyone else's reactions were, were so, like, like, yeah, so big and, 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 like just um so different from what i had in my head because i'd spent so much time telling myself it's nothing um and then for everyone to be like yeah that's fucking crazy like like and trying to like worked out my daily average and stuff i was like yeah yeah but because i'd lived it and i'd done it and it was just it was kind of almost flatlined by by the 200th day you know um i think i'd kind of uh yeah rinsed it of all its um <laughs> yeah um all it's worth for sure was that was that disappointing to you at that point or did it not really matter um it wasn't disappointing because um i see for myself no it wasn't disappointing it was it was a relief i, I wasn't i wasn't gonna ever finish it or and then be like super stoked and you know, celebrating and things. It was just, it was just a nice relief. It was another thing to tick off. And, um, and there's another story to tell, which I now look forward to doing, you know? Um, but yeah, it's cool. I, I, I messaged, um, I, I keep in touch, kept in touch with, um, Sam and Santa Cruz who have been like super, super helpful with me and, and, um, being such a, a, a where, um, like like those 200 days i had a, such an impact on my drive terrain and stuff and i was like hey do you fancy doing a story about this um and 
that their enthusiasm was just like holy shit i was like oh wow it could it's probably quite a big thing actually like you know looking back um yeah. so yeah and it's it's cool that they they managed to they they designed a story around it and uh yeah <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible feat has anyone done it quicker do we know off-road um i'm really not sure um i've been keeping it up to date with um professional road cyclists on strava just to see how how i compare to somebody at a professional level who does this for a living and um yeah i beat everyone that i can to a million feet that i can find <laughs> so far um and uh yeah and they haven't got a full-time job so so i don't know what they're pissing about at. I need to pull the finger <laughs> and so how have you kind of kept yourself occupied since then does it feel different or do you just still you just ride because that's what you do i honestly I, I just ride because that's that's what i do like yeah i like i say I've, I've been i've been just commuting for for a few days now um which um which is still a bike ride every day but it's um just trying to recover um more than anything i thought that i'd be over you know i'd be back to normal in a week or so but actually oddly um it's taken a bit longer this time so yeah um feeling good and i just can't wait for summer you know and riding bikes lots again yeah. so. <laughs> how, how did that fatigue manifest then once it had finished like how did you feel and how how do you how did you know you needed that kind of rest and recuperation um well i kind of just assumed that the fatigue was from like the the day-to-day and that once i stopped the day-to-day as to of, of such an extreme amount of, of pedaling that the fatigue would disappear with it but what actually happened is uh, though i was doing less or, or wasn't pushing myself to do a certain amount every day the fatigue was still there to the same level and i was like okay. oh geez like this is lingering a bit now so um so yeah it's 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 harder right now for me not to go and ride my bike every day than it i feel it was for me to go out and ride my bike every day because i that's what i want to do but um I'm forcing myself to, you know, just chill out for, for a little bit at least. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like an overtraining kind of thing where your body actually oh. just can't recover. Yeah. Some totally. real, real time off. Yeah. I am, I am kind of worried I've done that, but, um, uh, she'll be right there, won't she? You know? Yeah. It just needs, uh, uh, for you, the commute is probably so insignificant compared to what you're used to that it's enough for your body to recover for some people yeah. they might be absolutely ruined after your commute but yeah <laughs> you know, you've got that yeah level that's of yeah yeah but um hopefully give it give it a, a little while longer a couple more weeks and should be back and ready ready and raring. yeah on for the next stuff one. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so i mean the obvious question is what is what's next but is is there a next do you feel the need to to put another challenge into your life because it's it's hard to keep yeah. up in the bar right yeah i like i want to just um enjoy riding for certainly the first part of the summer just for the sake of pedaling you know um so i'm not gonna put any pressure on myself just yet um and i'd like to need to fully recover but i've got i've already got something in mind for next year um just a one day but but i think it'd be pretty cool <laughs> a so, big one uh, day i'm guessing <laughs> yeah um yeah but uh yeah i'll keep posted on that <laughs> yeah definitely It'd be interesting to see where you go from that because it's it's hard to there's such a commitment some of these challenges all of these yeah. challenges are such a commitment and they take take their toll on you right they, um, they do yeah um 
and it, it it's weird I've, I've kind of built a, a, a small a very small online persona of myself of being that that person um that pushes themselves in that respect which is really weird as well that's really odd um people message me asking for advice before they're going for a big bike ride and stuff which is like bonkers i'm like i don't bloody know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yeah it, it's it's weird but um but incredible like you know if it yeah. can get more people stoked about riding that's the main thing yeah do you feel that as you've as you've grown to be more known and known for that type of riding do you does that does that bring any pressure do you feel like you're doing it more now to provide stoke and and kind of bring motivation and thoughts to other people whereas earlier mm. on you were definitely you know 100% doing it just for the for yourself and for the challenge has that has it changed your motivation um i, I don't think so not particularly because it's something that i'd be doing anyway you know i don't go out now doing stuff doing it for other people I, i'm still doing it for, for me you know um and i just just love tallying up i like racking up these challenges and seeing what what's possible and pushing yourself that's what it's all about like you know being amazed at what you can achieve so yeah, it's, yeah. it is incredible every single one of those challenges that you've put down have been super hard to contemplate and you seem to have uh have smashed them out never with any doubt that they were going to happen and i was i was 100 i was going to ask like what advice would you give to people that were looking to take on challenges or to push themselves physically like mm. have you got any words of wisdom maybe it's not like a specific do this do that but like how you've prepared yourself how you've dealt with some of these things i i think it's all about what i find helps is um it's good preparation in a sense that um go out and do do some big rides and you know if you if your big ride is a third i think your big ride is a third of what you can achieve i think henry told me this when he's doing everest he's like your your what you can achieve on a good day is a third of what you can do on your best day and i've always thought that and um and it's always rang true and and um you know i think it's worked out so I, I think yeah just just work yourself up incrementally like that and also as you're doing the challenges i, I find it's nice to have smaller smallest um stepping stones of achievements you know i always like divide the, the challenge down to smaller parts so it always feels like you're achieving and knocking things off but it, it's difficult i haven't really got any solid um <laughs> solid good inspiring things to say um but just enjoy it as well man don't go out with to try and you know be the guy or, or do anything more than just ride your bike yeah yeah the motivation has got to be there for the right reasons i guess if you're doing it oh, for, for something 100%. other than yourself and to be out on a bike then it's probably not not right yeah yeah then it's not worth yeah you're doing it for all the wrong reasons for sure nice good stuff yeah. man well it has been really interesting hearing about your insane <laughs> challenges so far and i look forward to seeing what's coming next but we've got our final four questions that we've asked everybody so we'll hit those yeah. up <laughs> the first of those if our listeners had 150 pounds which is about i think about 300 new season dollars at the moment to yeah. improve their performance on a bike or to have more fun on their bike what would you recommend they go and spend it on 150 pound um yeah that's 
that's a pair of Birktech flat pedals. <laughs> <laughs> and you could probably get a good, well-fitting saddle as well. Yeah. What, what saddle on, do you use? About, um, I use um, I use a couple, but they're they're like if you get yourself measured, um, measure your seat, sit bones, and then go from there. I find a one four two width is is spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of a better better answer for this for this question. Think of the flat pedals for sure. Probably fifty fifty quid's worth of Oreos as well. <laughs> Or, in fact, no, go and download and pay for Alex Rankin's Earth Series box set. Yeah, forget that. Pair of flat pedals and Earthed 1 to 5. And then Can just you watch buy that. that still as a download then? I just assumed so. But hmm. 50, 50 quid will cover it regardless. Uh, yeah, I'll dig around and see if I can find out how you'd get hold of that. There must be a way. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll have a look. Because, yeah, if people haven't seen it, they should. And if they haven't seen oh it for gosh. a while, they should watch it again. That's like the history. That's a blueprint of mountain biking. Yeah, sprung in a pretty incredible <laughs> yeah. stuff. Happy yeah. days. Love it. Which of the Birdtech pedals are you on? Are you on the, the plastic ones or the metal ones? Uh, metal. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Second question. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give him? How old are you now? Uh, 33. Okay. Um. I would, um, oh, that's tricky. That's really tricky. <laughs> I would just say, I, I wish I, I wish I went and traveled earlier in life. Uh-huh. I went to Whistler sooner. Yeah. I've that's... still not been, so I need to sort I'm 42 and I've never been to Whistler. It's not good, is it? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, it is. It, there's always, there's always, always time. There's... It's on the, it is on the list. I'll be there when yeah. I can get there for sure. All right, third question. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Oh, gosh. Um, it would be it'd be either, yeah, it'd be Sam Hill. And I think I'd just happily just, just watch um, and just, just go, <laughs> just go right, 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 right with him. Um, oh, man. It'd be Sam Hill and we'd probably go... Yeah, we're going my shampoo. How's that? Nice. In the wet or the dry? Oh, we'll, we'll have a day in the dry, and then he'll show me how to ride a bike in the wet, just so nice. I can at least ride for one of the days. <laughs> yeah, I had. I've got a friend that tried to ride down that place and was surprised by quite how steep it actually is in real life. So, <laughs> yeah, fair play. Incredible. That track was gnarly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Final question. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? I think I know where you're going to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, riding bikes. Yeah. It's, it's, it benefits you no end. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing beats it. Yeah. Not going to argue with that. Cool. Yeah. Well, if people, if people want to keep up with what you're up to, where's the best place for them to look? Um, oh, probably on Instagram, I'd imagine. Um, yeah. It's uh, at Ben Hildred. Okay. H-I-L-D-R-E-D. Yeah, one word. <laughs> cool. I will put a link in the show notes so people can find that. And uh, I'll try and dig out some links to the 
the uh, the bike check video I think you've got out there and uh, the yeah. SRAM video for the for the true story piece because both of those are worth a watch if people haven't seen them. Yeah, but yeah awesome. Thanks Thank so you. much for taking time out to chat. Um, it's been yeah inspirational to see what you're up to and what you can achieve on a bike and yeah look forward to seeing Man. what kind of uh, mad challenge you take on next. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed that. Nice Sweet. Cool. Cheers, Ben. Cheers. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode with Ben. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Canyon. I've really been enjoying riding their Spectra 29er and it really is an incredible all-round bike that will put a huge smile on your face. If you're interested to find out more, then you can head over to canyon.com now. Don't forget that the first issue of Downtime EP is now available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. We're really happy with how issue one has come together and the response we had this weekend at the Enduro World Series from everyone here was incredible. So if you want to own this piece of mountain bike history, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our full range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, there's a few things you can do to help out. First and foremost, tell your rider mates about the podcast, because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Secondly, share the episodes on your social media. It's a great way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes. And finally, if you've got time, a review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 